This is the Ezra podcast. And we're talking about a heavyweight fight this weekend on a Sunday pay-per-view. Andrew Ruiz versus Luis Ortiz in a fight that you kind of have to feel would put the winner in position to fight Deontay Wilder. Even though that that's kind of weird because Luis Ortiz already lost twice to Deontay Wilder in a vicious fashion. But I still kind of think that's a possibility if he wins this fight. I know if Andy Ruiz wins this fight, that that's definitely the direction we're going in this fight, uh, in, the, in this uh, boxing, as far as setting up Andy Ruiz versus Wilder, who Wilder, of course, is coming back to fight Helenus uh, later this year. And it, it, to me, it's a very interesting fight. It's um, We have to be honest with where the guys are in this fight. To be honest, where, um, you know, we, I, we, I, we could build it up and get excited for it, but there are more context to the fight than just you know it just being a solid matchup so let me pull this up ruiz versus ortiz um andy ruiz last fight against chris Oriola. i think a lot of people left with that thinking he looked very shaky in that fight wasn't his best performance thinking that he looked pretty damn good in that fight um after the shaky part of it of course after getting dropped after getting hurt a few times i think that he kind of figured something out and we, at that time, he's trading with uh, Reynoso, and that's when Reynoso's camp's at its strongest. The, the guys like Ryan Garcia, um, you have, uh, of course, Canelo, Andy Ruiz, about uh, Oscar Valdez. It, it was a str- strong camp at that point. It was looked like it was building something a, a deep stable. From that point, though, you you have a departure, a grand departure of all these fighters from the the Canelo camp, from the Andy Reynoso camp. The thing was, uh. Ruiz is, I thought he kind of figured something out in that fight. I did kind of like the direction he was going in that camp. And whatever happened there happened there. So, you know, it is what it is. But I did like the, what he figured himself about out, figured out about himself in the aerial fight. And I liked the style they was going and his counter punching and his speed and the way he was working off the defense and also his legs. I thought were looking the best that they've ever looked. As far as just like the movement and the way he was picking shots, I just thought I, in the middle of that fight going on, I just thought he looked very beautiful. As a fighter, now you go to Luis Ortiz, who off the last fight looked very shaky as well. Uh, definitely didn't look like his legs could hold up to shots anymore. Um, had a it took time to warm up, took time to find his rhythm, took time to find his distance, and w- once he did, I mean, then he got Charles Martin out of there. But at the t- up to that point, I mean, a jab was knocking him down. Every shot that kind of touched him on top of his head kind of put him to sl- uh, kind of put him uh, made him hurt and made his legs look like noodles. Now you could say there's a long layoff for Ortiz, right? You could say that's part of it, but he's also 43 years old. And some people don't even believe that he's 43; believe he's older than that. But he's 43 years old, and of course, age is going to show, and it looks like his legs are kind of going right. But he was able to come back and say his legs are going, but he got dropped and still was able to. Get himself back in, you know, in the fight. Get, get him, keep himself in there. And usually that would mean your legs are in shape. That's usually what people say, like, oh, his, his legs are in shape because he's able to recover after getting hurt. We had to recover a few times versus Charles Martin, but like uh, Ruiz, he did recover and he got sharper and he started picking his, his spots and he started feeling his timing and he finally caught Charles Martin with a big left hand, big straight left hand, and got him out of there. And he once he was hurt, he was able to go for finish. He looked explosive actually. We wanted to finish very fast combinations. Good work to the body, good combinations uh, to get the ref to stop the fight. So you go in there with like 
what people feel like is two shaky performances. I think Ortiz looked a lot more shaky than Andy Ruiz did. That's just the truth. I think actually Andy Ruiz just ran into a uh, motivated Chris Ariola, who Gusin had came up with a pretty good game plan that it worked one part of it, but Andy Ruiz was able because he he showed something that wasn't just a one dimensional fighter. He was able to kind of box. He said, "I'm gonna box now. I'm using my legs. I'm gonna move back." And when he showed that, I just thought there was. He looked damn good doing it. And I got kind of excited to see, like, well, what is this going to look like? You know, the more they keep working this. Then he leaves, and now he's back with um, – I'm actually not even sure what trainer he's with right now. I don't know if he's back with his old trainer or with a new training camp. But the thing is, I'm curious is if Andy Ruiz falls back to his old style, which was more just like come forward, use your explosiveness, use your speed. And I wonder if he doesn't keep the momentum riding off of his going backwards, boxing, picking the spots. When Andy Ruiz does come forward and he does open up, he does leave himself open and he kind of gets predictable with the shots. And also when he comes forward, he has a habit of getting stuck in one range. He doesn't have the most uh, skill as far as like closing range. He's not the best at doing that. Now he kind of just comes forward and trusts his speed at a certain point. It's kind of, honestly, it's a uh, very kind of amateurish um, style. It's something that you, you probably had a lot of success for success coming up boxing through the amateur system, but never really developed. Like I'm going to get it inside and I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do with my legs to cover that range. And this is my legs to find the right angle on the inside. He doesn't really have that. He's kind of gets to a close enough spot where he can explode with shots. Now, when he fought backwards, he was a lot more effective. His legs are a lot better and more athletic than, you know, what we've seen him do. And he could step back and respond very quickly because he's got very fast hands and a good pop to his, hand, his punches, I believe. There's some people that question whether Andy Ruiz has power. I think he has some good pop to his hands. Uh, but if he goes back to that forward pressure, forward pressure style, he becomes a little bit more one-dimensional. Now, he uh, because he has the speed, because he has a combination, a little power, um, he's definitely a little more coordinated than most heavyweights. He's effective with it. But I just didn't think, like, in this fight, in the curious thing about this fight, because Ortiz showed what his legs are, and he kind of showed that, especially early, he could be susceptible to catching, getting caught with a shot and not recovering too well. It might benefit Ortiz to go back to his old style in this fight and try to catch Ortiz, uh, Ru- Ruiz to go back to his old style and try to catch Ortiz cold, right? Try to get in there and put it on him and see if you can catch him cold. And I feel that if Ruiz hurts Ortiz early, especially, I don't think he's going to allow him to recover like the way Martin did. So it might benefit him in this fight to do that, to just kind of blitz uh, Ortiz. Don't let him get set. Don't let him get comfortable. Don't let him catch his rhythm. Don't let him, like an older car, start warming up. Because a lot of people think the older fighters are going to get worse as the fight goes on. A lot of times they actually get better. They warm up. They start catching the rhythm. They get into the fight. Maybe Ruiz's plan is like, don't let him do that, right? And if you saw the Charles Barn fight, that, that's not a bad plan. Like, let me jump on him right away. Let me test out uh, his legs, test out his chin to see if he can hold up. So for his fight, that might be the right decision. Now, for his career, see, the, that's a that's a short-term battle right there. For his career, I think the defensively letting guys come to you, counter-punching, uh, using your legs, I think that that's really what would uh, could make Ruiz like a, a legit top heavyweight consistently. So what might be successful here, probably not the best idea for success long-term in his career. That's in, that's the interesting part going into this fight. It's like, what well, what was you gonna see? And did he, he himself see the effectiveness of him going backwards? Now, if he goes backwards in this fight, though, and fights a little more defensive, that kind of gives Ortiz what he wants, right? Because Ortiz is gonna be able to work his way into the game and they're kind of picking shots. Ortiz is very comfortable doing that. He's been doing that his whole career. 
right? And the one thing Ortiz still has is that big left, straight left hand versus the orthodox Ruiz. Ruiz moving backwards and it's kind of like allowing Ortiz to pick his spots and everything like that. It's It benefits Ortiz in the fight. That's why it's interesting. That's why it's interesting because the style that I think benefits Ruiz in the long run would be the boxing, but in this fight, it's probably coming forward and not allowing Ortiz to get settled in the fight. Now, if Ortiz can get settled in the fight, and maybe the there was a long layoff last time, and he just was a little shaky because of that, I think you're in for a very interesting fight. I think it's more of a picking shots type fight. I don't think it's an all-action fight. I think that maybe Ruiz starts off faster, but if Ortiz can survive that, I think you're going to start getting a lot of feints, a lot of see who could get to their position one shot at a time. And it might turn into a very smart fight. I'm just curious if Ortiz can survive the the early onslaught of this fight. I'm going to say that Ruiz saw and his trainer saw what Ortiz did versus Martin and how he wasn't recovering, how his legs looked, and how he couldn't really do the defensive moves that he wanted to do and he's used to doing. His timing was just off. And that's because he's slowing down and he's not really, his brain doesn't catch up to what his body can actually do. He still thinks he could do stuff when he was younger. And I think I think you're going to see a aggressive Ruiz in this fight. I think he's going to come forward and look to test Ortiz early, and I think he's actually going to really be a problem for Ortiz early. And I think Ortiz is not going to be able to get out of the way of the speed and the power. And I know that maybe, okay, Ruiz doesn't get a lot of stoppages. I think in this fight that he's going to – I think he's going to be able to touch up Ortiz. I think he's going to jump on him early. I think he drops him a few times, and I think I'm going to say a stoppage in the second round of this fight. That's my bold claim, I guess. This fight, I think he jumps on him early. I don't think Ortiz is able to um, navigate it. I think it's just going to be too much. And I still think his body really, like I said, his mind isn't catching up with his body. I think this is why really it's really important uh, when guys like trained that they shadow box and they don't just hit pads and they, they hit the pool noodles and stuff like that because a lot of times you're not still catching up to what the speed of what you can do, right? You're still... The pads can almost lie to you if, like, the trainer's going faster with the pads or he's catching you at the right spot. It kind of feels like, oh, I can still do what I do, right? I'm, I, I don't know, I don't notice the slowing down. I don't notice my body being off balance, right? Because the guys actually, you know, when you hit someone on the pads, right? It looks like when someone throws a punch and misses, and you see a guy fall over the ring, it's because he, there's nothing to hold up against, right? So he's not balanced. If he's not balanced, he's gonna fall over the ring. When you hit pads, you're, something's holding up against you. So you touch it, even if you're gonna be off balance, the pad holds you there. Then you go to the other hand, and the pad holds you there, and the pad holds you there. But when you punch it in the air, there's nothing to hold you there, right? So you have to get the balance, and then you start figuring out your speed. And it's like, if you, as you get older, I think these fighters need a shadow box more. I think they need a, and I'm talking about like, I'm talking about aggressive shadow boxing. Like if you were actually sparring, like that, that speed of shadow boxing to see what their body can do at this point, right? Because a lot of times these guys get in there and then they're like stunned that their body's not reacting the way they wanted to. And they didn't see this in training camp. They didn't see this when they sparred and stuff like that. Certain things that you kind of have to figure out and make sure your mind's adjusted to what you can do at this point. I wonder if Ortiz figured that out or if he's doing anything to do that. But we're going to see because I think Ruiz is going to test him very early in this fight. That's my pick. Ruiz, second round stoppage in this fight. And then that's if Wilder can get past Helenus, that's going to set up a big fight, massive fight versus him and Wilder which I think is a very entertaining fight, but, you know, I don't know if that's, it's, to me, not the best matchup for Ruiz, as, as you know, like, as far as, like, uh, fighting styles, right? And especially with uh, Wilder's length, that, that that's, 
that's going to be tricky for him. But like I said, if, if Rui's going to box in this fight, show some, something else, some other elements to his game that I thought he was showing in the last fight, it gets really interesting. In the co-main, we have Isaac Pitbull Cruz versus Eduardo Ramirez. And this is really just a matchup. I, I truly don't understand how they came to this matchup. I truly don't understand what the thought process was this matchup and who even brought it up. And who was like, yeah, let's make that happen. Now, Ramirez is on a heck of a run. He's a talented fighter. Don't get me wrong. He's a very good fighter. That's I guess what my, what my problem is on this fight is that Ramirez is on a heck of a run. He was at 126, then just moved up to 130. Just so, like most of his crews at 126. Then he goes to 130. He's kind of looks small at 130, but he wins this fight. And now you're just going to pull him up to 135 for, I don't know what reason. I don't know why he wouldn't stay at 130 and, you know, work his way there. Cause it's not like they don't have fighters there. There are fighters there. There's Hector Garcia. There's um, Chris Colbert. Gary Russell might be moving there. Like there's, there are interesting fights for him at 130 pounds. But some reason they pulled him up to 135 to fight Pitbull. And this is, uh, it, it's just the size and the power. I think it's just going to play a big factor in this fight. Now, like I said, you're going to see some skill from Eduardo Ramirez because he's a skilled fighter. He's a talented fighter. He's uh, going to have a southpaw stance. And he's going to, his lead uh, right hand, his jab and right and the right hook off of that is very effective. Now, he is a guy that, Kind of, you know, his power does play a big factor for him. Also, he, he he's not afraid to get into exchanges. And really, in this fight, he can't get in any exchanges. It's going to have to be a tightrope act for him. It's not really a style that he fights with often because although he can box and although he is crafty and talented and skilled, he's a guy that likes to stay in range. He's a guy that likes to trade. And it's going to be hard to beat the habit and, you know, mentally be mentally there the whole fight to get past these habits of, of exchanging and staying there just a little longer because you want to land your power shots. He can't stay in there with Cruz. He can't. Now, Cruz, who's a come-forward style, very exciting style. I mean, you know him because he just fought uh, Tank not so long ago, and then he just knocked out Gamboa out cold. A lot of people compare him to Tyson. He has a real compact style. He's going to come forward, and he's going to be the, the bigger man in this fight, so he's going to want to come forward in this fight. Now, I think Eduardo Ramirez, who is smaller and is going to want to keep you know distance and not really exchange, but he can... He could hold his ground, right? Let Cruz jump in and wrap him up. The one thing about Cruz is that he gets wrapped up very, very easily, actually. He's not very effective in the wrap. He's not very effective in the clinch. He doesn't really have a good offense. He kind of just allows it. So if Eduardo can hold his ground, make Pitbull pay, make him get greedy, and then clinch him a lot, you can see a, a lot of tricks, right? It's going to take a lot of tricks from Eduardo. It's going to take a lot of... Choosing in time, biding his time, wrapping him up, uh, scoring when you can, moving when you can. It's going to take all these things, all these tricks is back to be competitive this fight and, hope, and try to pull this out, right, in his career. But what I think is going to happen is, is Cruz is going to maybe lose a few rounds, right? Lose first few rounds just a skill-wise, but I think he's going to start exploding. And when he starts exploding and Ramirez has to break these habits, and maybe he does it early, but as the fight goes on, he's going to... It's going to be harder and harder to stay consistent with, oh, I'm going to stay out of range. I'm going to hold. I'm not going to exchange. And I think he will start exchanging. I think when he starts exchanging, he's going to get caught. And I think that there's that point where Marvin Ramirez gets a little unbalanced with his movement, especially coming backwards. And I think Pitbull is going to allow his forward momentum to, to take effect. I think that an uppercut from Pitbull is going to be probably the crucial blow in this fight because uh, Ramirez is... He's 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 hitable with the uppercut, especially when you got him going backwards, or especially when he stays into exchange. He kind of dips 
and it puts his head kind of down. I think Pitbull's offense, size, and everything will be too much in this fight. I think they could be interesting early. I think so, maybe some fun exchanges early. I think that you'll see uh, some skill for Ramirez. You'll see the ability I'm telling you about, the why he's been on the run that he is early, but it's just going to be too much, and Cruz is going to eventually get him out of there. I'm going to say around the sixth or seventh round, Pitbull lands an uppercut hook while pushing him back and exploding, and I don't think uh, Ramirez is going to be able to recover from that. I think it's a very interesting choice to have Ramirez in this fight. I'm not a big fan of it, especially just because of the run he's on. I just think this kind of honestly like uh, a waste for for the run he's on. But I'll take Cruz in this fight. I think this will set up a tank number two fight with versus Cruz. If not, you know, I later in the year or next year. I think that's the I think that's the, the fight they're setting up here with this fight. On the opener, you got uh, Ryle Valenzuela versus. Jerzel uh, Corrales. So I want to make sure I'm pronouncing this correct. Yeah, Jezreel Corrales. And, uh, you know, this is uh, Ryle stepping up in competition, stepping up against, you know, contenders now. And if you haven't seen Ryle before, he's a very entertaining style. He's He hits extremely hard. He's a KO artist. I think a compares offense to a Nassim Ahmed. Um, I heard another comparison for like a Manny Pacquiao-ish. And th- I mean, just to have those names, is, it should get you very excited to, to watch this guy fight because he that's exactly what it is. It's an offensive style. It's a guy who's come into his power. He has good speed. And I, I think his punches are like, I think both arms are like two whips. They're comfortable with timing in all ranges, right? And he's very creative with his shots because he's very loose with his shots, very loose with his shoulders. Now, the only thing is he, he will stay in there and he will stay high. Like he'll keep his chin up. He he will put himself in some spots. He's he's taking some chances, and some of the chances he's taking are put in kind of like in 50-50 spots where both guys can land. And that's what's gonna happen. Like when you're when you're putting an offense out there, that, that you are leaving openings. There's every fighter is every fighter is leaving an opening when he does off when he puts the offense out there. It just is. It's just not perfect. It reminds you like the Death Star. You know they have the one spot right. There's a one spot opening that you can you know destroy the whole ship with. When you're doing offense, you're leaving that opening. Now, some guys' openings are bigger, some guys' openings are smaller, right? That There's just openings for uh, the opponent to capitalize on. There's a point where Valenzuela really commits to his stuff, and he has his chin up to where the opening is a lot bigger than most, most other fighters. But because of what he's offering and what if he catches you and the his timing and his confidence and his... Um, how comfortable he is in range, how creative he is with the shots, and how he can adjust them. He's beating everyone to that spot. Now, Corrales is a guy that's going to look to kind of rough you up. He's more of a sprinter. He fights in sprints. He looks to explode in, get in on you. Um, he puts his head. I, You know, we got to watch our headbutts with him. He's a crafty fighter. He's experienced. He's tough. He's durable. I think that this is, he's kind of, to me, picture perfect for Valenzuela. I think the Valenzuela's offense Corrales is going to walk into a lot of it. But also, he's, you're going to see if Valenzuela can't get him out of there, this is where it gets interesting, right? In a 10-round fight, and Corrales has got that rough-and-tumble style. How does Valenzuela react to it, right? How does he uh, handle the pressure? How does he feel in a longer fight? Because Corrales may be able to go longer rounds with him. Now, like, like I said, the Corrales style, he kind of jumps in straight and kind of um, blitz. He kind of blitzes in and not really with like a plan or just kind of like on hoping to off time you, I think that Valenzuela will catch him with some big shots. So it's going to just be up to Corrales' chin to kind of hold up in this fight. I'm going to take Valenzuela in this fight. I'm just 
curious. And I think everybody's kind of curious to see, you know, if you can't get him out right away and not, and some guy's kind of durable and it's a rough fight, how's he going to react? We're going to find out. But I think the Valenzuela might be the real deal. I think he might be a real interesting opponent for Tank coming sooner than later, especially if he gets Corrales out of there, like, right away. Then it's going to get real interesting. And uh, remember I said it reminds me of Prince, uh, Prince Nassim, but you got to remember Prince Nassim because he had Cali reflexes with his defense as well. And he could do, he was very flexible. He could get himself into weird spots and get out of weird spots with his upper body movement. That's the one thing Valenzuela doesn't have. Valenzuela is not, does not have those defensive reflexes like that. He's not gifted like that. So he has the offense, he has the punches, but he's going to be in there. So that's the part where it gets interesting as well, especially like Corrales, who, you know, I told you he kind of sprints in and get, he could just explode in and he, putting everything behind those shots. And a guy like Valenzuela who, when he throws the offense, like I said, he fully commits and chin up, you can get caught in that fight. I, like I said, picking Valenzuela, I'm picking by stoppage. I'll say around the fifth or sixth round of this fight. We also have Abner Mars making a comeback versus Miguel Flores. Uh, some, you know, people don't not really a big fan of this because Abner Mars has the eye injury and they're a little worried about, you know, what his vision is and what, what it could be after the fight. To me, it's like, it's Los Angeles. It's a um, to me a good commission if they passed him to to be in the fight, and I don't think the P- I don't think the PBC I wouldn't put him as like a promotion that puts their guy at risk. Um, I think then he must be good to fight, and I think that Miguel Flores is the most dangerous opponent, and I think Andrew Mares does represent LA boxing, and you know how I feel about that. But you know if they say he's good to fight, then to me he's good to fight. Another person to watch on this is uh, Raiz Alim versus Mike Plan- uh, Planilla. Aleem could be a future opponent for Stephen Fulton. So that you know, every time there's someone there that could possibly challenge uh, Stephen Fulton, you should pay attention to it. Uh, Raiz Aleem, the interesting part about him is he's kind of like a sport karate style. He's very explosive, um, but his punches and stance and the way he shoots and comes forward, it's very sport karate style. So if you wanted to you know, look at sport karate and then see how Aleem fights, it's very interesting. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the Ezra Podcast.